Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Excited to talk with our next guest because he's seen the ins and outs of all of these things over the years. And I just love good insight. Guys that are in the middle of these operations. Back in the day, we were always talking about doing a uh, doing a segment called like Thursdays with Don or something because yeah. nobody tells a better story. Nobody has better stories than Don Sterling, now executive director with the Miller family, kind enough to join us. Don, how are you? Hey, Don. I am doing great, boys. You know I love you guys, and any chance I get to spend a few minutes with you is I'm well spent. So... There's a lot we want to talk to you about, but let's let's go back in the uh, DeLorean, 88 miles an hour, and head back to when you really felt like that it could happen, that the All-Star Game could come to Salt Lake City uh, when the Miller family owned the Jazz, and uh, you guys put the wheels in motion. Kind of talk us through the moment where you're like, you know what, I think we can get this done. Well, it's, it's a little bit of an interesting story in that in 2016, I was with Steve Starks who had just recently joined um, Sports and Entertainment, we were at the tour of Utah. And it's a little bit of a... um, not quite sure exactly uh, where it was. Uh, Carrie Holt-Larson has one view, and Steve has another view. (laughs) But somewhere between Escalante and Torrey, Utah, which were great venues for the tour of Utah, Carrie took us aside and said, I have an idea. I think we should make a run for the NBA All-Star Game. And, you know, we frankly said, Carrie, it's a lot of work and there's a lot that goes into it. I've been able, I I was part of many All-Star Games when having worked at the NBA. And and, uh, we just tucked that away, um, but did not really pursue it with vigor. Uh, Shortly thereafter, we began the uh, renovation of the arena in 2017. And Stark said, you know, we should revisit this idea. And so Carrie and I, on behalf of the Utah Jazz and Jim Olson, who was then president of the arena, we began to conspire about how we could bring the game to Salt Lake City. And there was some symmetry to it in that it was the the rotation looked to us to be Indianapolis, Cleveland, and then we started to focus on 2023 because there was great symmetry with the game coming 30 years after 1993. 
so we we began to have conversations with with the league and it uh it moved on from there 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 were some things that we knew we wanted to do and wanted to share via message to the NBA were you know following the game in 93 we hosted 17 days of the Olympic Winter Games and 10 days of the Paralympic Winter Games we knew how to put on big events and um we we knew we needed to talk about what was new and different about the city and its population and what we wanted to accomplish we had great help from we had great help from Thurl Bailey who uh, hosted a, a video that we put together for the league. We were able to go out and grab one of our good friends, a big fan of the Jazz, Ty Burrell from Modern Family, who was in the video. In fact, we flew to L.A. and he sat on the Modern Family couch and talked about how great it would be for the game to come to Salt Lake City, especially since he owned a couple pubs here. He said, we need the business. Please come. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> We, it, it, I, I have one other really kind of cool memory in that we were headed to Los Angeles for the All-Star Game there, which was a joint hosting by the Clippers and the, and the Lakers. And this was Donovan's uh, rookie year, and he was a competitor in the Slam Dunk Championship. So we all flew down together to L.A., and we had a jersey, which we wanted. This was the last part of our, our pitch. Our pitch package was a jersey signed we, we, we wanted to have Donovan, who then was a an immediate rising star in the league. Now it was going to be a dunk championship for him. And so we had him sign it to the league, and which he said, hope to see you in 2023. And uh, it's just very cool the way it's turned out that the game is coming in 2023, and Donovan will be with us in 2023. So there's some symmetry to that as well. So in relation to getting the Olympics to come into Salt Lake, in comparison to getting the All-Star game to come into Salt Lake, is there are there any comparisons in winning those bids? And, and are, is it the similar bid process? Well, it, it's changed dramatically with the IOC, um, both Salt Lake City, and the uh, bid uh, adventures we had uh, getting the games here, as you might recall. Yeah. But... It, there's certainly a difference in scope. Um, they give you um, um, seven years to prepare, generally, for an Olympic Games. Um, in the end, we won the bid in uh, 1995 to host, and the Games took place in February 2002. The rotation for the for the league is, is a bit quicker. Um, and I the league likes to showcase new buildings or newly renovated buildings. So we knew there was an opportunity there, but much of what we learned in 93 and then in the Olympic games, there's certain areas which you just know you're going to need to have buttoned up. And it, you know, it ranges from hotels. Uh, You need enough hotel rooms. Proximity is really important. I mean, our airport is so close. This is a very walkable city all the major venues are fairly close. I mean, from uh, Vivint Arena up to you know the Huntsman Center, it's not a it's it's not a long way to go. Uh, things behind the scenes, security, transportation. Um, there are many private parties that take place, and you want to have adequate assets for the league and and more than ever for the players 
and the participants who like events, they are hosting events. So you need, you know, a lot of it goes behind the scenes. The other thing that is incredibly important where this state and city and community steps up is just the willingness to collaborate, the willingness to open up its arms when, when the NBA comes in and, and it truly is their show. Um, it's, it, it passes through us, which is uh, a great honor, but um, all those behind-the-scenes things that when the NBA family arrives from around the world, that it is seamless and convenient, user-friendly. And, and uh, one of the things that Salt Lake City and Utah always provides is just a tremendous level of service and friendliness and uh, accommodations. Um, so the... the uh, I think this will go down as one of the best all-star games ever, independent of whatever happens on the floor, just because of folks like, uh, you know, what Jim has done from the team level. And, and Terry Holt Larson is still, he's a VP at the, at the team, and they, they have worked long and hard with the league uh, to, be prepa- to prepare for this weekend. So you uh, you find out that you are awarded the All Star Game back in 2019, and then of course in October of 2020, uh, the Miller family sells um, the majority of the team to Ryan Smith. What were those? I got to imagine that was part of the conversation. I mean, you know how aggressive Ryan is and how excited he was right uh, uh, to get his fingerprints on an All Star Game. I got to imagine was something that was certainly fired up. He was fired up about and talked about during that process. For sure. Uh, I mean, you, and, and let's remember, it got a little wonky in 2019 with the pandemic. Yes. Uh, 2020, excuse me. And, and the rotation, we didn't quite know what the rotation was going to end up being because Indianapolis, that game was, was postponed. And, and so last year was Cleveland, then us, and then I think it's going to Indianapolis next year. But knowing of Ryan's love for the for this team, for this community, and 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 being the new owner, this it was an added it was a value add to the discussions for sure that the All Star Game was already locked up in, in coming yeah. in 2023, and and we've seen what Ryan and the and the team have done. I mean, it's I, I was just out and about in the city today, and there's a great vibe, and it's only Thursday. That's an incredible vibe. And the arena looks incredible, and the transformation is incredible. And I started thinking on my drive in today because there's road blockages, and you kind of have to go up and around the temple to try to get in here to the Triad Center. And I started thinking, is that all on the Jazz? Is that all on Ryan Smith and the Utah Jazz to rebuild the outside with all their signage and rebuild the interior and put a new court? Or does the NBA come in and do that, Don? That really is that falls within the responsibility of the league. Um, they are their events team is so good. Um, it, you know they do events domestically, they do events internationally. They are just really, really good at what they do. Um, and it was fun to have them in town early on. Um, things that you don't think about the Salt Palace Convention Center has enormous space and accommodation. And you, you could see the representatives from the league, their eyes get really wide when they saw how much space was available and its proximity to the, to the arena. 
and its proximity to hotels. Um, the crossover event, I would encourage anybody who has a chance to come downtown to go see, go participate in the crossover event, which is really a blend of poops and art and design and music and culture and food. Um, that that in itself is uh, will be a very cool thing. But, yeah, I, I think Ryan ha- has a vision, and, and he's executing that vision, and it'll be, it'll be incredibly exciting. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Don Sterling joining us uh, was with the jazz organization for many years. A good friend of the show and, and me and Hans, we've known him for geez, well over a decade now. Now the executive director for the uh, Miller family. Uh, but Don, you know, when you see these events and you've been around so many big events with the Olympics and, and NBA finals, I mean, this is, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being the guy that overhyped something, but this literally is one of the greatest sporting events to happen in the state of Utah, perhaps since the Olympics and the NBA finals and, and when it was here in 93. Absolutely. We've talked about this. When you think about the, you know, um, Commissioner David Stern had a very close and personal relationship with Larry Miller and, and Gail, and there was much affection and shared respect. And at one point, there, there came a point where David challenged Larry to say, look, if this is going to go long, you need to build a building. And as we know, the, an incredible effort to bring the uh, then Delta Center, soon to be Delta Center, back you know to life. Um, and you, you you think about um, all that has transpired. You have the game in '93. You have the finals '97-'98, right? Then the Olympic Games. That series of events really was, you know, could be called Gen 1 of Salt Lake's moment. And it started with the All-Star Game in 93. Um, you know, that was the first year I, I, I was looking back. I, I lived here. I was working for Children's Miracle Network. And it was the first year of the of the uh, NBA Jam session. And because I had worked in the league at the past, they called up and said, hey, can you help? corral volunteers for the jam session. But you think back, it was, uh, to put it in perspective, it was Isaiah Thomas's last All-Star game, and it was Shaquille O'Neal's first All-Star game. Wow. And and I always like to look back and see who did the national anthem, because generally it's a, a marker in time, and the anthem in 93 was done by Boys to Men. And it was beautiful. <laughs> you know, I would like. What's interesting for me is, especially when I was at the NBA, um, we we had. I joined in '83, and the first All Star game of the modern era was in '84 in Denver. And we did. We, you know, the the last time the All Star game was in Denver was in 1976 when Julius Irving was a member of the ABA. Now he's then in the NBA. So the idea was let's bring let's bring the slam dunk championship back. 
And so that was the first year in 84 of the slam dunk championship. And we had this great idea. We had looked at what baseball had done and they had the old timers game. And we said, let's do, let's do the legends game. And we were so smart. We said, yeah, let's do the slam dunk first. And then the premier event will be on Saturday will be the legends game. (laughs) Well, it certainly was great to see all those guys, uh, but they were older. Yeah. (laughs) They couldn't, they couldn't quite get up the floor like they used to. So we said, okay, we need to figure this out. So fast forward to late 85, we had the idea the game was going to be in Dallas in February of 86. And we said, let's, what's a new event that we could do? So a ragtag small group of us began to test this idea of a, of a three-point shootout contest. And we tested it a couple times at, uh, what used to be called the Continental Basketball Association. And I will tell you that, you know, we tested it twice and we thought, well, let's give it a run. And and we really did not know how the three-point shootout was going to turn out until round one, shooter one, of the event in Dallas in February of 1986. I remember we were so we were such a, a skeleton crew Myself and Steve Mills, who later became the president of the New York Knicks, we were both working at the league. We were enlisted as ball boys. So we were out there chasing balls. And, wow. and we're sitting there on the sideline in round one, shooter one, with a guy named Craig Hodges. Wow. And, and Craig lit it up for 25, po- you know, 25 points in round one, shooter one. And we all just kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, I think this thing's going to work. Mm. Um that was also made famous when Larry Bird won, yep. won it. And uh, that's when he came in the locker room before the event and said, okay, boys, who's coming in second? <laughs> <laughs> was it was it hard getting the big namers? Because, you know, there's still big namers that do the three-point contest, but the slam dunk contest has lost a little bit of its luster because you don't have the who's who of the NBA that could be awesome in that event competing. But when you were introducing some of these events for the first time, was it hard getting the players to buy into it? Not at all. Not at all. Even, and, and I look, a lot has changed and, and, and evolved, but with, with the slam dunk, uh, you could, you know, they were, these players were just so willing and, and really wanted to participate. And that's why you had, in those early years, you know, you could always count on Dominique Wilkins. You could count on Michael Jordan. Um, you know, you could you could count on, you know, half man, half amazing, right? I mean, you could count on these dunkers to to go, and that's why we were so thrilled in Donovan's rookie year. You know that he was willing, and um, you know that I'm, I'm not say it put him on the map, but that certainly was one of the first things where. Donovan said to the world, I'm here. Um, that has become a little more difficult with the, with the dunkers. The, the shootout, you know, generally has been a little easier, as has been the skills competition. Don, is there a certain way that the NBA judges success for an all-star weekend in a certain area? Are they looking for something in particular, sales, ticket sales, revenues, numbers? What, what is it that our, our city, that our state can show the NBA that we were deserving and we held up on our end of the bargain? 
I I would say from a um, from an organizational standpoint, number one, that from a technical standpoint, you have to execute putting the weekend on. And I know we're just going to get really high marks on that. I mean, you you have to create an environment where um, the commissioner and the owners and the representatives from the teams and the players themselves and the participants that, that the last thing they have to worry about is how do I get from point A to point B is my family. And many of them, it's a great time for them to bring their families in and their kids. And did they have a great experience? Um, first and foremost, I think equally important is the league will always look to the community and want the community to say, it's hard to imagine us not having this event and this experience. And boy, in, in some ways it changed us. It improved us. We were informed. We were able to see some things we didn't think we might be able to see. You, you know, the, the stuff on the floor, of course, is always fun and exciting, but it's really, and this is where Ryan has his eye on the, on the North star. And that is that the experience that the community uh, has with the NBA coming in with its really signature non-competitive event, so to speak. I mean, it's nothing like getting the finals, but when it rolls in, it's a big deal, a big deal. And the economic impact's important. All those things are important, but I think it, they say, did, did those in the community and our NBA family have a great time? <laughs> Well, Don, we could chat with you all day. Always fun to catch up. Don't be a stranger. Hans and I are going to buy you breakfast here soon. And uh, you don't have to release it to the public, but if we could ever get our eyes on that Ty Burrell video, we wouldn't mind it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of these days, maybe it'll take a few breakfasts, but maybe. maybe. (laughs) You're the best, Don. Thanks, Don. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have fun this weekend. Will do. Absolutely. You as well. Don Sterling, one of our favorites, joining us. He is the executive director of the Miller family and, of course, was the uh, chief marketing officer, um, was chief revenue officer for a while for the Jazz. Hans and I got to know him really, really well, really good friend of ours, and uh, really fired up. That conversation and all of our all-star coverage brought to you by Aquaterra Steak and Sushi, a curated dining experience in downtown Salt Lake City. Also the anchor on our golf team. Oh, that's right. He was (laughs) on our golf team once, wasn't he? Yeah. I forgot about that. Don is all things good, man. And you talk about an ambassador of our great state and the city. He is always behind the scenes promoting and putting the best foot forward. And he is tied into some really good people. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.